Hello, everybody. Welcome to the No Breaking Podcast. Again, if you're a first-time listener on one of those fantastic tunes, uh, products, I should say, like iTunes, which is not iTunes anymore, it's uh, Apple Podcasts, I think now is the new word for it. Oh, have they officially changed it? Well, yeah, they've killed iTunes. Yeah. They've broken up into three things, or like Apple TV, Apple Music, and um, Apple Podcasts now, I think. It's wild. That's crazy. And then we've also got Stitcher and Spotify and all those other cool things that you can listen to podcasts on. But as you might have heard, I've got a guest, the lovely Ilana Sher. She is a wonderful freelance automotive journalist. And for some of those vintage listeners, I might say, you might have heard her before on a previous uh, podcast series I used to host that shall not be named. So, Alana, thank you for making the trip over here and joining me again. Oh, my gosh. Thanks for having me. No, and I'm, I'm sorry I got you lost. You didn't. I got me lost. But at least you got to see the magic circle. I sure did. I went no, the up, magic castle, I should I say. I went up... I didn't go all the way up to the Magic Castle. I, mm-hmm. I got to a place where I was almost at the Magic Castle, and I said, you know... This isn't Pink's Hot Dogs. Yeah. And well, I said, this this is probably not where he lives. I yeah. mean, he's a, he's a VIP. He's an important guy. But... He's not quite Magic Castle. I don't know castle if he lives in, in the, the Magic, Magic castle. castle. No, I, I wish. I mean, I've been there once or twice. Have you ever been? I haven't. I you haven't should go. And for anyone I'm a bad there, Los Angelino. Well, I will say don't go for the food. I would not suggest that. While it is there, it's not possibly the greatest meal you'll have. But the entertainers are wonderful. Um, so that was what I would recommend it for. All right. I'll, the next time I'm here, I'll report back. I should have just gone to a show. Yeah, well, they're there. I mean, they practice all the time. Yeah. <laughs> but um, no, for all those listeners, I would recommend a trip to the Magic Castle while you're here in Los Angeles if you're ready to visit. Or even if you are here in Los Angeles and you haven't been, you should go. So it's it's like, uh, I mean, because all your listeners aren't in Los Angeles, maybe they don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. It's like... A, a, it is a castle that is magic. Yes, it I mean, is it actually doesn't give magic. It, all, it doesn't give it all away in the title when you say the magic castle. Yeah. But it is a castle in Los Angeles where magicians go to practice, to learn, study, and perform, from what I understand. Yeah. And I think they've also got a little hotel as well where the magicians can stay when they're in tutelage. I am... Yes, I believe that you're correct. And uh, and then they do stuff in different rooms and... Um, yeah, there's, there's a bar there of... and there's like the food hall and you've got two seatings and they've yeah. got a main magician that, that takes the stage for two different shows, I think, which is why I've, I know a little bit about it. But then um, it's also got uh, members from all over the world. And if you're a member there, you also have a picture of you drawn and it's on the wall at some page so you can find the people that are there that are members, which is kind of cool. If you work at the Magic Castle and you're listening to this, you know, we're totally down for Magic Castle sponsorship. I'd love Magic Castle sponsorship. I mean, it'd be magic. It would be totally magic. (laughs) All right. Uh, That's it. We have exhausted my knowledge of magic. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just, you're not going to pull a rabbit out of the hat and surprise us with something else? No. Um, I'm, I'm, if I do any it. magic trick during this entire podcast, it will be to get your sweet little dog to come over and sit on my lap. Well, that is – that is well, I, don't, I think Kiwi, Kaju Kiwi here on obviously taking part in the podcast is always loud as ever. So many questions, but she is firmly asleep right now. I will say that. She looks very happy. Yeah. So anyway, so anyway, people probably wanted us to talk maybe about the automotive side of the business. Oh, is that what we do? Yeah, apparently. So, Alana, so – why don't we get into, if no one did listen to that other episode, how you sort of found yourself in the world of automotive? How did it come about? Ooh, okay. I'll give you the quickie version. No, no, no. I can push back you know. and say we need the long version. Yeah, you no. want the long version. No. Yeah. Um, I did not grow up as a car person. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't grow up in a car family, uh, but 
I learned to drive when I was 21. Mm-hmm. had never driven a car before that. And my neighbor, who helped me learn how to drive, was into muscle cars. He helped me buy a car. I bought a 73 Plymouth Duster. Had to start fixing things on it before I could even legally drive it. Okay. And I was like, What was wrong I with like it then? This. Just, I mean, the sort Maintenance of... Maintenance or... Yeah, the sort of things that go wrong on old cars, a starter going out mm-hmm. or, um, you know, minor electrical things. Yeah. Nothing big. Okay. You know, just small stuff, but you got to keep on it. And... Uh, Learning how to fix that stuff and going to some car shows with him and meeting some more car people. I was like, oh, these people are fun and I like this. I mm-hmm. like the cars. I want to learn about this. And, you know, many years passed in which I did things that were car industry adjacent. I worked in motorcycle racing for a while. Okay. Um, not as a motorcycle racer. That would be too cool. I'm not that cool. But uh, You're pretty cool, though. But not that cool. Um, but I made some motor- – like I made some motorcycle parts. I worked – like for a race team, mm-hmm. um, and then I sort of learned some some PR, and I got a job doing automotive PR, which was when I met all of the other, all the magazine writers and stuff. Okay. And I was like, I want to do what you do. Yeah. And they were like, Yeah, no. Well, not all of them. Some of them were not like that. But I didn't see any women who were doing it. I was like, Is there a rule somewhere? Like, is it in the Bible? Yeah. Um. But then eventually... And uh, then you found that ceiling and you just smashed it. Yes, exactly. I was like, ooh, I have, I see a little crack in in this gate here and I'm going to slither through that crack. You just kicked it wide there. open with your big size 12s, yeah. right? And then I was like, come on, bitches, follow me. Yeah. And now we're going to take over. But um, no, David Freiberger at Hot Rod gave me my first automotive writing job and... It was awesome, and I have not stopped doing it since then. Yeah, and you've done some pretty cool things. I mean, when we first met, uh, you were discussing uh, fishing tales with some NASCAR legends, correct? Oh, yeah. I did that. It Was that when we first talked? Yeah. That's amazing because um, I think that I had just done an event at a car museum and met a bunch of NASCAR guys and ended up talking to Bobby Allison, mm-hmm. and we ended up talking about fishing. Which is what else are you going to talk to Bobby Allison about, honestly? What else? Yeah. Nothing else. Nothing. He hasn't done anything else. No. That's Just, not true. But he's um, quite a good fisherman. He's a very good fisherman, and he lives on the banks of a river. Like His house backs up against a river, and he was very unimpressed with my knowledge of fish oh. and told me that I should come out sometime, and he would teach me how to fish. And uh, I did that last fall. I actually I went out to North Carolina, and Bobby Allison tried to teach me how to fish, and um, and I wrote it up for Automobile Magazine. So if you find, I think it's the January or February issue of Automobile Magazine from 2019, um, or I think it's online as well. So if you look up Bobby Allison fishing, you should be able to find it. Yeah, I mean, but how could so how competitive were the two of you then? Just in this instance, because obviously Bobby is um, a little bit competitive. Well, when he was behind the wheel of a, a car, say, I understand. I would say that he was not impressed with my fishing skills, ah. um, and I did not prove to be a huge threat to his fishing dominance. Okay. Um, he also was mildly impressed with my ability to park the rental car, but not so impressed that he let me drive us to lunch. So we went to lunch. Oh. He drove us to lunch in his Buick, um, which is what he ra- was famous for racing for uh, as well. So he remains a big Buick fan. How can anyone not be a big Buick yeah. fan? And uh, he was very funny, though. He was a very good host, and he was very funny. And at one point when we went to lunch, a guy stops him in the parking lot and is like, you know who you look like? And he's just like, nope, not him. But he totally was. <laughs> and, and he's like, nah, I am him. <laughs> that was pretty good. So 
Um, so was he? So let's talk about two the two most important things here that I've got to pick out. One, how? What was your parking? Did you have to like do a tight, really tight parallel park, or was it just you backing into a spot? I just had to back into a spot, but you okay. know, I mean, it was still it was like a small spot just outside of a garage, leaving enough room for another car to get by. Oh, um, okay. And he, he looked a little concerned when I first backed in to do it, um, but then he was pleased that you, I managed it. You just didn't slam in a J-turn and just go straight in there? Oh, that would have been cool. Yeah. I'm, not, I t- I'm telling you, I'm just not that cool. Well, I mean, I, I don't think I can. My wife can do a J-turn, like, hands down. I, on the other hand, not that good. I think this is, like, also, Bobby, well, those things that we've just talked about parking, my wife is also exceptionally good at. Yeah. I'm not terrible. It's not, it's not the end-all, also- be-all of driving experience. Sometimes you could be a good driver and not be a good Parker. And um, I'm not saying I'm a bad parker. Just she's just like, oh, like does the old hand thing, mm-hmm. and then we'll in. It's like, how does how does that happen? Magic. Some people are just so skilled. I can see why you married her. Yeah, and, and also she really likes Buicks. Is your wife Bobby Allison? Uh, she could. She's not very good. At, she can't handle being on boats. So I think that rules okay. out the fishing part. So that's the only way you can tell the difference between them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But they've. I will say this. I've not seen them together in the same room. Huh. All right. We'll come back to this mystery. This is an unsolved mystery. Yeah. So so if we go back to the the uh, Hot Rod Magazine days, what are some of the other articles that you're more proud of, I should say? Ooh. Oh, my gosh. There have been so many. I know. Um, one of the first really big stories that I ever did at Hot Rod was a Pikes Peak story about mm-hmm. a guy who raced a 1971 Plymouth Barracuda of Pikes Peak. And um, that was a really exciting story for me because it was the first time that I had gone somewhere kind of by myself. I'd had to maneuver around a city I wasn't familiar with. I'd had to make it through all of the complications of following a race that's a multi-day race where it's not it's not sort of laid out for you like, oh, here's the media box, mm-hmm. like, here you go. And um, so being able to sort of make make friends with people uh, quick enough yep. to be able to tell the story, to tell that fairly, to learn all the rules of the racing and the different mm-hmm. classes, and to be able to tell that story in a way that people were excited about. That was – it was just such a good learning experience. And uh, last year, I think, I went back uh, – you know, after several years what, of... What, Tupac speak again? Uh, yeah. Yep. And um, and it was so awesome because all the things... I remembered Pike's Peak being so difficult, right? Mm-hmm. From that first trip. And then I went back and, you know, I didn't have any of the concerns that I had initially. Like, I already knew how to maneuver through things. I knew how to who to talk to if I had a problem with a press pass. I knew how to not get your rental car towed away, which did happen the very first time. Um, Just never ideal. Not ideal at all. And it was awesome because there are just certain points in your life, no matter what you do, where you're able to see that you have made progress as a person, that you have learned things and you are better than you used to be. And Mm -hmm. when they happen, it's just so rad. You know, it's it's just – like I wish I could bottle that feeling and sell it to people because – I mean, I guess that's what confidence is. Yeah. Is knowing that you are good at something. One day I'll get there. One day. Yeah. You know, I know, I'm always I know hoping. you can do it. Uh, one, day, one day. It's at the mountain. I'm getting there. I'm crawling slowly. <laughs> um, well, they're rare. That's the thing is like at least if you live the kind of life where you're always challenging yourself to, to learn something new, you spend a lot of time 
being bad at things. Certainly I do. I spend a lot of time being bad at stuff. And it's nice on the rare occasions where I get to be good at something mm -hmm. because I'm like, oh, right, it is possible. So with that being the case, have you got any tips for people for Pikes Peak? Because I ask this for anyone that goes to Pikes Peak, and they often give me different sorts of feedback. Yeah. Oh, and Pikes Peak is coming up too, so this yeah. is Well, I've relevant. just started testing. I think this weekend yeah. was the first day of testing mm -hmm. it, when they had only 20 feet of snow. At lower low uh, altitudes, wow. I think. Yeah, I, th I, want, I think it's going to be cold this year. Um, okay, my suggestions if you're going to Pikes Peak, if you can, um, go several days before the race. Mm -hmm. um, because when people talk about the altitude stuff, that is not a joke. Like, that is a real thing that will definitely affect you, especially if you're a flatlander. Um, mm -hmm. I grew up in the foothills of Altadena, which isn't super high altitude, but is at least not ocean level and yeah. people who grew up in flat places really have a hard time with the altitude um bring every variety of clothing because it will be both incredibly hot and incredibly cold um and also just be prepared to be dumber than you normally are again with the altitude like you do not have enough oxygen there and things that would normally be no problem are difficult plus the sleep schedule is really crazy because they practice it like super early in the morning so you will basically be uh, up at three in the morning and then back to your hotel or your airbnb or whatever by like 10 30 um and it really screws with people so you kind of just have to go in uh like loose and not complicated and don't slam that six pack don't don't slam that six pack you'll uh you'll regret it yeah because mostly everyone who I have on, photographers, tell me about Pikes Peak is mostly their bathroom habits. So I'm glad that you gave me some practical advice. Do they tell you how you can't control your farts at the top? Yeah, they said they just come out the whole time. That is absolutely true. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm not, I'm not proud, but uh, I have farted in front of some very famous race car drivers. Look, it happens to everyone. And they have farted in front of me. Look, they're, they're, probably do it, they're probably more nervous than you. That's what I think it comes down to. <laughs> yes. So what else then, if we talk about some of the other articles that you're really proud of in regards um, to? Oh, okay. What else? Before I put my favorite one to you. Okay. Um, what else have I done that I was extremely proud of? Um, when the Hellcat first came out, the Hellcat Challenger and Charger, um, Brandon Gologly, uh, who currently works at Haggerty now mm -hmm. um, as a writer, but he was at Hot Rod at the time, he and a videographer, Kale, and I, went on a road trip where we had figured out that we could hit five different open test and tune drag strip nights mm -hmm. in five days if we if we drove like 600 miles a day. So basically we we would drive all day, get to the racetrack in time for their test and tune, yep. put the, the cheater slicks on the car and um, make some passes and then hit the road for the next for the next track. And it was so fun. Yeah. It was really, really fun because I think we we made it – we ran an 11 at every track except for one. And the one that we didn't was um, middle of the day and like 110 degrees and we yeah, didn't yeah. want to put the tires on. But Which yeah, I can understand. Yeah. I mean we ran like 11.12, 11.15. I mean good times for, for the car and no problem driving it. And it was so much fun because it was – it felt like a real test of what – the car company had said the car could do, and mm -hmm. it did it. Yeah, I mean, because like you said, if you're doing like even average it out at 500 miles traveling, just regular, 
Yeah. Then doing some racing of sorts, testing, but racing, really. I mean, it's pretty impressive. We can do that five nights in a row. Yeah, and it combined kind of all of the things I like, you know, road trips and fast cars. So where, which the, where did you head it up then? Which of the states Ooh, was that? Okay, it was, um, it was this side of the country. I think we started um, in Sacramento, mm-hmm. and we did Sacramento, and then I think we went up to Oregon. Okay. Um, and raced up there, and then we came back down, and it was like Medford and Redding. And then all we finished in Fontana. It was a long time ago. I can't remember every single track. Oh, but um, but we managed to find like it was like a week's worth of no, events. events. Yeah. And the other thing that I liked about that story was it proved that there's always something that you can do with your car. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't have to just sit there waiting for something to be right around the corner from you. There's a lot of stuff out there, and if you start looking it up, the tracks have stuff going on. Yeah, all the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, I got an email today about all the stuff that's happening at Irwindale this weekend. Yeah. Oh, I just went to Irwindale. You did. Which one for? Which event? Um, I just went for the um for the circle track races a couple of weeks ago. I mean, it wasn't for a story or anything. I just mm-hmm. I was uh, I knew somebody who was racing, and uh, I just wanted to cheer for him and see what it was all about. And it was really, really fun. I very much recommend it as a way to spend $15 on a Saturday night. And for this one, not saying I would suggest it, but if you wanted to slam that six-pack, it was $2 beers. Oh, my God. That's a much better deal. Yeah. So I'm just saying, if you want to go, they had a, like circle racing, and then they had a daredevil there as well, I think. Oh, fun. But not just that. If we're just talking about Irwindale in particular, they've also got the drag racing, which is awful a lot of fun. Yeah, is, their Thursday night test and so, tune is great. It's isn't like, it like twenty, 20 bucks. Yeah. yeah, and if you if your car's not that fast, you don't have to wear a helmet. Yeah, no, it's 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 great. I love that sort of stuff. I mean, that when people talk about grassroots racing, that's what it really is. And if you don't go, then the tracks don't stay in business, and exactly. then you cry and when cry they go and cry out, about how away. there's no racing. And yeah. um, so go and support your local track right now. Yeah, exactly. Right now, this instant. Don't even finish this podcast. Just go. Exactly. They should be listening to the podcast on the way to the track. Ooh, people who have radios and cars, I always forget about that. Yeah, or they could maybe just put their headphones on and listen to it on their phone. Yeah, that's not legal. Is it not legal? Mm-mm. What happens if the phone's just playing in the background then? Is that that's legal? That's okay. Yeah. That's okay, so yeah. just do that then. What is hands-free? Does that not count as hands-free, or how does that work? Um, I think you're just not supposed to wear headphones while you're driving because you're not supposed to not be able to hear the traffic. Yeah, I guess it's like it, the... it's weird because I mean you could play your music so loud you couldn't you hear anything. Or vibrates if they've got the boom. Because yeah. obviously, I imagine you'd have the big speakers turned up with the bass. Yeah, to listen to our to listen to our bassy voices. Yeah, of course, on the podcast. Um, I know I wanted to touch base and seeing also because my favorite story when we talked last time was about you giving uh, a Miss Leah Pritchett advice on. Oh. Right. How to launch, I should say. Was it correct? She's done very well. She, purely yeah. because of your advice, Absolutely. I think, is where it's I'm sure from. she would say so as well. Yeah. She's um, like, I put this all down to Alana, my success, yeah. every time. If they had Oscars for drag racing, she that's the first <laughs> thing that she'd come and, I think, thank. Well, and it's funny because that's somewhat connected to um, – you know, to the, the Hellcat Charger because it was the Hellcat came out and Hot Rod did a story about how to how to drive one because mm-hmm. people were so bad at hooking them up. And uh, was that before they had the one where you could just do the press the buttons and it does? Yeah, it was before the Demon. And then when the when the Demon came out, um, Leah Pritchett was hired to do promotion for them, and she told she told me that or she told you or that she had read the Hot Rod article. Which was really cool because it made me feel like I was important. 
and doing good things for the people. You were and doing, then, you're doing the people's work. She uh, went on to be quite successful with um, with the factory stock cars, which you know are, are similar to the demon in. Obviously, she was already very good at driving a top fuel dragster, so really don't think she needed my advice, but I like to pretend that she did. No, it was just that extra tenth. That's all it is. It's yeah. all that tenth. That extra, I mean, when you're eking out that percentage, anything that at the end of it, I think, is all the important things that matters. It's all about building that confidence. Yeah, and I think, I mean, it might have had something to do with it. As I know, this weekend when she raced, she uh, tire blew, I think. Yeah, and she kept it in one. I mean, it was really good driving. Yeah. It was very exciting, and people should go watch the recaps of the NHRA race in Chicago, I think. Yeah, I think it was there. Was it like Mossport, I think? I can't remember. Yeah. I don't know. The, the name of the tracks all sort of elude me. They change them depending on who's paying for it, so I can't keep Hey, okay, they've got to keep in business, right? Yeah. I'd take the look. Like we said, Magic Castle. Happy to have a sponsor. No <laughs> we are podcast. ready to do the Magic Magic Castle Automotive Podcast. That's right. We'll bring the two together. It'll be per- perfect synergy. So then, but what are you actually working on now then? Can we talk about that at all? Oh, sure. Not? Yeah, I, I got no secrets. Okay. Um, all right. So I've been freelance for a little over a year now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm still doing stories for everyone. Like that Bobby Allison story was for Automobile. I've been writing some for Haggerty, um, a little bit for Road and Track still writing some for Hot Rod, and as well as doing new car review for Edmunds. So if you have any interest in knowing what I think about small SUVs, you can go over to Edmunds' YouTube channel and you can watch me do that. Uh, but I also have a very big project I'm working on, which is a book with uh, a drag racer named Don Prudhomme. So Don the Snake Prudhomme was a um, very famous drag racer in the 60s and 70s and 80s and 90s. And today, still, um, he isn't racing anymore. He's 78, but uh, he is most famous for running a funny car in the 70s that was part of the Hot Wheels funny car team. So if you can picture that yellow Cuda racing the white duster, that was, or and also I think a red duster, um, the Snake and Mongoose, Nick Ewan and Prudhomme. And they made a movie. Right? They did make a movie, um, and they had... Hot Wheels kits, maybe you played with them, depending on your age. Uh, And he's a really interesting person, and I'm enjoying interviewing him for the book, and I'm excited about getting it all together and talking about big challenges and things that make me feel like an absolute newbie. I have not written a book before. It is much harder than I expected it to be. You thought you'd be just done over the weekend. I thought it would be easy. Two hours. Yeah. Knock it out. Done. It turns out that you can't necessarily just, like, write 30,000 words in one go. Sometimes uh, you have to stop and research some stuff. Yeah. See, look I'd, back what, I've, what you've done See, already. I have trouble putting 30 words together now. <laughs> I mean, that's a really a struggle for me. But the 30,000 seems a bit of a stretch. It's um, it's not as easy as, as you would think. Um, so when uh, when would they be expecting or give a rough idea maybe of when you're hoping to finish it? Any idea? Um, well, Don keeps teasing me that I better finish it soon because he's not that young. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, I'm definitely uh, very much working on trying to be be at least done with a draft of it this year. So um, hopefully we'll touch base with you, give you an update on that. Um, yeah, we'd love to. Maybe even get both of you on. Oh, he would he would enjoy that. Yeah. So what have aside from obviously I'm I'm guessing Don having quite a busy schedule might be a challenge. What are some of the other challenges you you face when putting the doing the writing for it or putting the background for it? Um so when you're writing a book with someone, when you're telling someone else's story, it's very much 
their decision as to what they want to tell you. Mm -hmm. And depending on their mood, they might be more or less open or they might be nervous about how things are phrased. And one of the things that Don and I talked about when we first started with this is I said to him, look, man, just this is your book. You know, it isn't mine. I'm not in control of it. You get final say on what goes in. So don't bother censoring yourself now. Like don't cut the story as you're telling it to me because that makes it hard for me to understand it. Just tell me the whole story and once it's written down, you can say, ooh, I don't think we should be that detailed or I don't think we should be that specific or I don't want to say that about this person in print. And that's basically like saying about how someone made dinner one night probably, for example. Yeah, or, I mean, it's, you know, racing is is hard and competitive. And, and um, aggressions flare occasionally. Yeah, and, and Someone so, might shout occasionally. Exactly, and you might not like everybody, and they might not like you. And the way that you feel telling a story one day about what a jerk someone is, you might not want to see that in print exactly the way that you told it. Yeah, so, three months, a few times later, right? Yeah, and so that's something that we've been working on where I've just said, like, look, just tell me the story the way you want to tell it. I'll write it down, and then we can go back over it. I'm not going to put anything in here that you're not comfortable having out in public because he really is wor- – he's worried about that. It's not, And he hasn't even told me that many things where he's been really uh, insulting about someone else, but he – he said, you know, there's like jokes and things where he'll be like, oh, man, I don't know. That's not really my thing to tell you or, you know, or like this or that sad thing happened to someone else. And he'll be like, I don't know, you know, I don't know if they want that mm-hmm. in print. And so that's something to think about that I hadn't really had to think about before because, I don't know, most of the articles that I've written haven't been quite so personal. Yeah. And obviously, if, if you're writing them before, previously would have said your freelance work would have always been about you rather than telling someone else's story so to speak yeah or I mean, your this experience is, i would yeah, say. yeah or at least it was more of like an interview format and this is really using somebody else's words you know um which is another challenge in itself is is sort of figuring out okay well he hasn't he's told me this story and that story but he hasn't told me the bit that connects them so can i can i safely infer that bit or do I need to call him and be like what happened in between these two things yeah so which I can imagine be a challenge yeah but it's a good challenge I mean it's interesting and I think in the end that it will make me a better writer which I'm excited about which is the whole point right is improving keep, yeah yeah keep doing things it's to that get confidence better. thing right yeah yeah you'll get there you'll be yeah. fine you'll be great by the time I do my next book no <laughs> <laughs> Famous last words. You have you have book deals lined up forever. Yeah, exactly. Just, you'll be the George R. R. Martin of the automotive world. You just, you'll write <laughs> you, one. You mean with a book that isn't finished that everyone's mad about? <laughs> yeah, they'll be like, then someone will sign up. You'll get a TV deal. Yeah. Someone will sign a petition. It'll be great. They'll ruin the ending. You'll get millions. It'll be fantastic. Look, what yeah. do you want? The thing with Game of Thrones is it really did need more cars. Yeah. I don't understand why they didn't include more cars. Yeah, I mean, but they I, had some boats and some dragons, but like... But I figured when, you know, when they had the big chain, they yeah. must have used a truck or something to pull that chain. I mean, the chain didn't come from anywhere. And yeah, the truck must right? have been just off screen. Yeah, there must have been a winch and like a jeep. Yeah, something or other to get that chain. I mean, how else would they have got it there? Would There's they, no other way. I mean, they didn't carry it. That's, uh, who knows. And they, I think in what, in last season, didn't they have a pickup truck and shot in one of the backgrounds anyway? <laughs> they certainly had a Starbucks cup. Yeah, and then a bottle of water. I mean, you got a, uh, yeah. what, a laptop cable, power cable or something? They just weren't even trying. No, they were just, just 
I bet they disappeared now. <laughs> fallen away into the ether. So if we talk, I want to also touch on your Edmunds work, mm. which uh, how enjoyable is it testing new cars these days? Um, I was expecting to be very bored mm -hmm. testing new cars because it's not like I'm testing super thrilling cars, you know, um, Every once in a while, there's an exciting one. But for the most part, it really is a consumer shopping network. Um, and so they want to help people buy new cars. And most people want to buy midsize SUVs or uh, funnily enough, economy they're quite, cars. They're quite popular now these days. Yeah, well, um, people like to have a lot of space and they like to sit up high, I think, mm -hmm. is, is what it is. I mean, I don't know. Personally, I drive a 71 Opal. You've been in it. So I'm yeah, like, it's not quite high. No, I'm totally it's fine. It's not quite a uh, lot of room in there. I'm completely fine being a bot stat, but uh, but I, I understand that loving to drive and wanting to go fast and wanting things to be loud and rowdy is not a universal desire. And so I've been trying to look at the cars that I am driving and say, well, who is it for and why do they need it? Um, and that's great. It's not – I've been enjoying it because, I mean, first of all, Every once in a while, I get to drive something that has air conditioning. Have you heard of this thing, air conditioning? I I, I actually know about it, oh. but I also know that sometimes in old cars or even fast cars, they don't have air conditioning. Yeah, it's amazing. It's this thing where like the inside of the car is cooler than the outside, rather than being hotter than yeah, the outside. Yeah, and it doesn't require a window to come down. Yeah, and like um, and sometimes you don't even need to get those funny smells coming in either when it's working. Yeah, and then sometimes it's so fancy that even the seats themselves are kind of air conditioned so um that thing that i thought was just part of driving where, where you got sweaty yeah where like your butt crack is basically just like a waterfall of sweat yeah um i mean theoretically because obviously i you. don't sweat no or have a butt crack yeah but yeah air conditioning really great no there's also some other interesting new technologies and i don't love them all on a personal level, but I do think it's super cool to get to test them out. You know, things like semi-autonomous driving and some mm -hmm. of the safety stuff and having backup cameras that have lines that show you where to put the car. One, since I, I can also speak about doing car reviews, I will say the one technology that I really liked at the moment was when I just did the new Kia, mm -hmm. uh, the K900. And then it had the, when you put the indicator on, instead of just giving the blind spot indicator, it'd show you a video camera sort of shot of what was up behind you on either left or right. On the, in the mirror or in the screen? In the screen. So to replace the speedo or to replace the rev yeah. counter. And I thought that was really handy. Yeah. That is cool. And that's a better place to put it because I recently drove the um, HRV, which had um, would do it in the infotainment stack, the center stack. But so that's a weird place to be looking. You've got to take yeah. your eyes off this exactly. road. So it's not ideal. But the center, the center um, gauge pack would be a good place to have that. Um, you know what? little technology I really like um, is... No, tell me. The inductive charging pads for phones yes. because I Super always, handy. always, always forget a cord mm -hmm. and it's so cool to be able to just be like, loop, and, and then it's it just like, like ding. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> I the, like that we had the same sound effect for that. What else is the sound effect going to yeah, be? Clearly. Um, but what, I mean, the one thing I will say in doing car reviews is these days it's pretty hard to find a bad car like a, that's a, like a one that you're like, oh, I just don't like this at all. Yeah. I mean, there's things that you can niggle about, say, for example, like seeing the, the, the view in the infotainment unit where it could be in a better position. But, I mean, cars are pretty good these days. Yeah, I mean, certainly... Modern cars. Anyway. Yeah, certainly you're not going to... If your goal is simply to get something that will transport you to another place and... Cool, um, yeah, quickly, and, and efficiently. 
all of those things yeah. that you can pretty much get anything. But it means that you're free to decide which car to buy based off of better things. Like, how does it look? Mm -hmm. And are the seats comfy? Or do I like the colors that it comes in? Or, you know, how's the stereo? Or does it have um, I will say safety stuff that makes me feel good? Massaging seats. Wonderful in a car. I've been doing a lot of economy cars, so yeah, I have not a, had any once, massaging seats. Once once you get to the massaging seats, you're like, okay, I can't turn I'll back. I'll talk to my boss. Yeah. yeah. Talk to the Lexus folks <laughs> in the LS500. And it'll be like, yeah, look, this is it. Every car mm -hmm. needs massaging seats now. Is there anything you've driven recently that you really enjoyed? Um, I thought it's difficult. I, I like the, the – I really like the Kia, funnily enough. I know people say that it's like, oh, the handling's a bit off when it's because it's got the sporty engine. It's, but it's like it's a big boat. Yeah. But for toodling around, so comfortable. Well, Kia and Hyundai both have been doing a really good job. Um, I just drove the, the Telluride. Okay. I was on the Telluride launch, and, you know, I was not expecting to have anything particularly, you know, personally delighted to say about a three-row SUV, but I really liked it. I thought it looked cool, and it was really nice to drive. I thought they did a great job. Yeah, and then um, next week, I think I'm getting the, the Mazda the three series sedan mm -hmm. i think is what i've got coming up which obviously is not quite as luxurious or what have you but i'm thinking it's gonna be a nice ride the last time i did it it was a couple of years ago and it still came in a six-speed manual and it was nice and zippy and the sky act of technology gets you around everywhere so it's fun you know yeah are you getting a manual now does it still come with a manual i think it still does come That's with a manual great. not very much does yeah it's funny enough it's usually with the press cars well for some of them you always get them I mean and I had the the Toyota Corolla the most recent mm -hmm. one and that's got like the smallest gearbox ever apparently. did you have the hatch the little yeah. blue hatch yeah which looks so much fun yeah. it, which it looks great and is so much fun it is so much fun I um I really liked that one too but only because it was a manual I wouldn't like it if it was an automatic but it was not that there's anything wrong with it as an automatic it was just a no, lot of fun no it was just the funness was the fact that it was a manual and that it was a slow manual because that, you know, it was just so easy to drive. And mm -hmm. um, I, I did actually do a review of that one and said, hey, if you have been afraid of learning to drive manual or you just need a refresher or something, like, this is the car to do it on. It's super easy, yeah, super supportive, nice, yeah. and then totally fun when you get it. Yeah. And then uh, what else? So I had the, the Mazda Miata. Always good. Yeah, great car. And also the, uh, what is it, the Toyota 86, hmm. which are very good to compare because they're sort of in the price bracket yeah. there. But I, I have not driven the, the Toyota. It was the TRD, so it did have the, the, what I will say, the stickers on the side that I was not quite the fan of. <laughs> but, you know, different strokes, different folks. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm kind of ready for people to bring back graphics packages. I was, I've been looking at a bunch of old Jeep graphics mm -hmm. recently, and... Um, Oh, man, I forgot the name of it. The Islander, I think. Anyway, some 80s Jeep graphics package. It's just so good. It's got, like, a little sunset on it and, like, stripes. What, what and more do you want? It looks like an 80s tank top, and I want it. Uh, or you could just put it like a big bird on the front. Yeah, on it. That, also good. That also always good. works. That's available both for Jeep and Trans Am. Um, I think for anything, it really should be available. Yeah. For, and it would be better if you could just change the bird. Well, depending on the vehicle. So, so we have a forklift at home. My my husband and I have a forklift because um, we need one. Okay. Well, no, I was going to. I wanted to ask about this. And, so I was going to get there um, eventually, but not about the forklift in particular. It's a Toyota. It's a Toyota forklift, mm -hmm. and we've been talking about painting the forklift black and gold and putting the the Firebird on it, and then blacking out 
all the letters in Toyota except for T and A. <laughs> like Toyota T. Okay, no, it is only funny to me. Well, no, I could see the humor, but we try to keep this show PG to iTunes. Don't get too mad at us. Oh, right, it's not that kind of T and A. It's like T A, like Trans Am. Of course. Yeah. Whatever else is thinking, anyone else is just. No. But uh, speaking of uh, your collective car collection, how is that going? Because I saw lots of activities past weekend. That's true. We have been pretty busy. Um, all right, so... How many cars is it? I think it might be 13 right now, but I we might have sold one, so it might still be 12. Okay. Um, and when I say we might have, I just mean I can't remember when I last did the count, and I don't okay. feel like doing it right now. But it's around 12 or 13. Half of them are big trucks, mm-hmm. like um, Dodge D700s and stuff. Um Ones that are great on the economy? Super, very much so. Um, but we have put diesels in a couple of things, and that that's, you know, we get a lot of mileage that way. Yeah, as long as it's not getting the monkeys, you're okay, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but this weekend, we're, we were working on an engine for a friend, um, taking a part of 440. Uh, and so that was just, it was just disassembly, which is honestly the only kind of mechanical work I'm really good at luckily my husband is good at the part where you put it back together but uh, i'm good at the part where you take it apart so that's you know we're a good pair i'm i'm good at the one of standing back and making small talk and holding everything up that's fine we have chairs for for that kind of participation yeah and beers yeah i'm real good at that yeah and i don't mind getting other beers for other people as well dude that's the most important job or getting snacks you're invited. See? That's yeah. We were missing you this weekend because everybody was greasy and nobody had any beers. Oh, and I could also look after the dogs too. They would appreciate that. See? Mm-hmm. See, I'm, I'm not just a, a podcasting host. I'm multi-talented. Well, a lot of people don't realize all of the different important jobs to a, a weekend of wrenching. I mean, sure, you need the people who actually know what they're doing with the tools. Mm-hmm. But you, yeah, you need the people who will bring snacks. You need the people who will get beers. The you people need... to go out and buy other parts if needed. Yes. Because that means you don't have to, like, clean everything up again and then get changed and then go out. Right. And you need – you also just need the people who remain cheerful when things go horribly wrong. Yeah. Or the people that can make fun of other people when they go horribly wrong, but not in a mean way. <laughs> yeah, in a way that just makes you want to solve the problem. Yeah, yeah. Or just stop, maybe put it down for the day and then have a beer instead. Yeah. And hopefully if they're making the fun in that way, they can then give you the beer so it's not too bad. Well, It's a good trade-off. Yeah. And you really, you really do need somebody to keep the energy up because it's very easy to sort of hit a, a road bump and be like, ugh, yeah. and just stop. But if you have other people with you and they're like, no, we can do this. We got this. Then a lot of times you can get over it and, and it's all good. I mean, we had a very badly stuck. Uh, yeah, I was going to say it looked a lot of fun. I will say that <laughs> when you were trying to free it all up. Well, because there was fire and um, uh, yeah. So we had a, it was like a pipe plug that was stuck in the, in the water pump housing. So um, if you aren't an engineering type, basically it was like a threaded bolt that was just there to fill a hole and it would not come out. Um, and when we were trying to get it out, we initially tried heating up the housing, which is a good way to get a stuck bolt out because then the outside bit gets bigger and the inside bit doesn't. And you can sometimes get something out. You can also, it also kind of allows for like a penetrating agent, like an oil to get in there and loosen things up. But none of that was working. And then in our attempts to get it loose, we stripped out the, the head where you put the tool to get it out. So then the you just have to drill it out, and um, so there was a lot of a lot of bits flying everywhere. It was, you know, Tom's really good at that. He used to work in a machine shop for 
10 years as an engine machinist, so he says he's he's yet to meet a broken bolt that has defeated him. Well, that's good. See, you've got to have a target, right? Yeah. And then you don't really ever want to meet that one bolt. No. It's out there. But you don't ever want to come face to face with it. I bet it's in aluminum. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> or something else throughout the soft, shall we say. Yeah. But um, so speaking of that and speaking of friends, obviously, as you mentioned at the start, there hasn't been too many female automotive journalists. But who are the ones that are your, that I will say that are both of us, our friends now, that are doing some great work? And who are some of the others that I might not know that I need to get to come on the show? Oh, man. There there are so many more than when I started. It's, it's pretty awesome. And I'm like a little bit anxious about even trying to name people because I'm going to leave off so many That's people. That's okay. And just leave um, her from the front. Say if you name – if. If she doesn't mention your name, she really does not like you. No, my God, no. She really, you're not on the Christmas card list either. That's it, just for sure. (laughs) Um, I recently got to work with a really great photographer, Julia LaPalm. Who's wonderful, who's been a guest in the show. Yeah, she's fantastic. Um, You know, Lynn Woodward is also doing uh, Automotive Review, and she's great. Um, And she's got lovely hair. She does have nice hair. Lovely hair. And um, uh, they're... I just talked to a lady named Kendra who does um, video work, um, who I haven't met face-to-face, but it was nice, you know, just to talk to her. Um, there's a gal named Tara who covers uh, rally racing, mm-hmm. um, and there are a bunch of really awesome women who work in, like, motorsports PR, um, like uh, Kathy Graham, who works for a turbo company, um, and uh, Pat Caparelli, who works for IndyCar. So she recently got me a ride in an IndyCar at the Indy 500. Which, which would have been awful. Awesome. Awful, I bet. Was so that, awful. Was that the two-seater one they had? Yeah. So who was driving? Was that? Um, it was Matt Brabham. Okay. Um, Mario Andretti was there too, but he was giving a ride to uh, a trophy. What's the trophy for hockey? Oh, the Stanley, Stanley Cup. Cup. Yeah, he, he was giving a ride to the Stanley Cup, and I am. Which is Stanley Cup? I mean, he's quite talkative. Yes, so I am. I am a little so less appealing than the Stanley Cup, which I get. But Brabham was a great driver, and we went really fast, and it was super exciting. What um, What would you compare it to? Could you compare it to anything else that you've been in before? Because obviously, I'm assuming you've been in fast cars before or race cars. Yes. Um... I can't really compare it to anything that I've been in before because it was so – the oval was so intense, like the the, the lateral Gs. Yep. The, not even the banking so, so much it's... as the Gs in the turn. And, like, I felt like I was on the end of a little string being mm-hmm. spun around, you know. So – and that was a really different feeling of acceleration than – like a normal road course experience where, yes, you might feel the Gs for a second in a turn, but you're not in them in for them a... Su- like a sustained turn and de- and also very different from drag racing where it, it throws you back in the seat, but there's no side-to-side motion. So I, I hadn't ever been in anything that felt like that. I'd yeah. never been on an oval going that fast before. Which would be pretty, I mean, yeah, it'd be scary, exciting, and fun. I can't believe that that they can do it for concentrate for that long and like you know be that brave for that long because you definitely come into that first corner and you're like oh, it's just going up the wall you know like it's just gonna launch itself and it doesn't it just sticks yeah the commitment level in that is pretty high yeah i don't have it i i have a hard time you know keeping my foot down if it isn't in a straight line yeah i think i'm a bit too old as well for that kind of driving now Mario Andretti is in his 80s. 
Yeah, but he's also a Formula seven, One. Late seventies. He's late also 70s. a Formula One world champion, though. He's got that. Oh, what you're not? Yeah. Have you watched the F1 um, documentary on Netflix? I have. It's really good. Exceptionally good. Yeah. Really good. I was not. Um, I had kept putting it off for some reason. I was like, oh, I don't. I don't need to see that. And then I was really happy that I watched it. And if you haven't watched it, I recommend it. You really should. It gives a great. I think it's made it a lot more accessible, maybe to the American audience. I'll put it that way. The Formula One. It also just was such a good um, – it was such a good profile of people um, and about competition in general and racing in general, um, how easy it is to fail at it. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, here we are talking about teams at the highest level with more money than you could ever imagine, and the, the failures are so dumb. The kind – you know, the things that are happening seem like they should be completely – impossible yeah. and yet they're not because it's it's just that much stress and it's just that hard to keep all of the parts in in motion um so i was a, i felt like it gave me a better understanding of like when a team screws something up how that can happen you know yeah. even like for example with indy 500 like how mclaren failed to qualify and everyone's like how does that even happen and it's like it only takes a couple of people to like do very mm-hmm. small mess something mistakes up. yeah and it's you know? a knock on effect mm-hmm um, no, I also liked it because it. Uh, I like to call this the future friend of the podcast, Daniel Ricciardo. It, it highlighted him specifically, I will say, which is real good. He's delightful. Yeah. I want him to be my friend. He's pretty. He and Aachen are pretty much the only ones I would want to be friends with. Um, and Daniel, so Daniel is from Perth, Western Australia, where I grew up, between life, and mm-hmm. also is uh, friends with some of the people at the race service here in Los Angeles. So that's why I keep tugging them to when Daniel's in town. To get him on the podcast. Yeah. So one day he'll get here. Let one me day. know. Then, you know, we'll we'll, we'll get drinks afterwards. We can go to El Coyote. I'm sure that Daniel would, in fact, be a huge fan of that. I I feel like he would, too. Yeah. I feel like he would like us. I, I, I can't see why he wouldn't like us. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we're likable people. Yeah. I made a butt joke. He makes ball jokes all the time. He does. He does. Oh, but he did. I was watching him on, since I like the YouTubes. On uh, he was Car Throttle, the young gentleman from Car Throttle went and interviewed him and went for a lap around Monaco in the new Renault again. Uh huh. And uh, he asked him if he should give up on his F1 career, and Daniel said he should because he was 35. He's never going to get into Formula oh, One. I see. So that's where you're getting your your. Yeah, I mean, I'm not quite 35 yet, but I'm still but close I mean, to that. I like Daniel, but is he really the boss of you? That's true. And maybe he doesn't want me in Formula 1 because he knows I'll be better, faster than him. Oh, my God. Yeah, they're so competitive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's trying to get in your head, man. Yeah. He's just playing the main mind games. I mean, he wasn't even talking to me, but he's trying to get the mind games going. He was, going. though. He was. He knew. He was like, James could be watching this. <laughs> but uh, anyway, Alana, I want to say, how do people find you and your fantastic work? What's the best way for them to find you online? Okay. For your, for you, and then for all the cool stuff you do with all the other oh people God, you work with. So much cool I know. stuff. Yeah. All right. Um, I would say that the the easiest way to know what I'm doing is to follow me on some form of social media. Mm-hmm. I am Challenge Her on Instagram and Twitter. That's Challenge Her, um, and it should come up. That yeah, should come up because you're fast. pretty famous. I'm so famous. Yeah, yeah. You have no idea. You're probably already following me. I am. Yeah. Um, I'm following you back. I know. It's good. Uh, I am also on Facebook, Alana Share, E-L-A-N-A-S-C-H-E-R-R. I always worry I'm going to misspell my own name. And, um, but I don't, uh, I don't post as much there. I do have a page there where I try to put 
links to things that I've done. So yep. that's a good way if you just want to see what kind of stuff has recently gone online. Um, I write for almost everyone. Mm -hmm. um, because you should, because you're so, so good. Uh, so if you read any car magazines, um, I probably write for them. Mm -hmm. uh, if I don't write for them, you should write in immediately and demand that, you that they have them. me write for them. Yes. Um, that's really I've just also, I've fair. She will, if you ask her, Alana, she's already got a template set up that you can just, she can email to you oh, and yeah. then you uh -huh. can flip it straight so over it's them. like, excuse me, dear sir or madam. Yep. I enjoy your fine magazine. But you are missing something. Exactly. A big something. It is Alana. Yeah. And by big, we don't mean f physically because she's actually very slim. Yeah. And very she's fit. very petite, which is yeah. why she can fit in the small cars. Yeah. Exactly. Tiny and adorable, but also good at driving. And really good at riding. So good. And presenting. <laughs> um, oh, man. I'm really, I'm really setting people up for disappointment here. No, um, no, you're not. Just purely you, success. If you want to know what I think about new cars, uh, go to Edmunds.com or go to the Edmunds YouTube page, probably the Edmunds YouTube page. And um, I just started a newsletter Okay. on Substack. Ooh. So S-U-B-S-T-A-C-K, Substack, and it is called Quick Drives. And if you look that up, you can subscribe, and then it will be like I'm emailing you personally. That is in cool. your inbox. That is hip and cool. Um, thank you. I learned about it from young people. The millennials. Yeah, they're so good at stuff. They know these things on um, the computers. So yeah, so internets. sign up. Sign up for that newsletter. We'll see where it goes. It's a brand new idea. Um, and yeah, keep keep your ears out for a Don Prudhomme book because when it comes out, I probably wrote it. Yeah, and it'll be really good. I hope so. With lots of great stories. It will have a lot of great stories. I can promise you that. And that's the important thing. Yeah. So, Alana, thank you so much for guesting today. I very much appreciate it. I had so much fun. Well, I'm glad that we can make it happen, especially with Kiwi. Kiwi loved it. She had a great time, and you could see how much she was so she enjoyed it so much. Kiwi is a very, very cute dog with a mustache. She saw it. And so everyone should follow her at Kaiju Kiwi on Instagram. I'm gonna. Yeah, it's the only way to do it. And then if you want to find me, if you're not already following me, if you already listen to this, it's at No Breaking, N-O-B-R-A-K-I-N-G on Instagram and Facebook. And if you've got any questions about guests, past guests, future guests, just hit me up and let me know. Feedback is appreciated. Leave a wonderful review, at least five stars. I'd say more, but you can only say leave five, so just go with five as your, your base minimum. And then maybe write some kind words. Denny, I can, Denny, I, Denny Ricardo, call us. Yeah, that too. Daniel, you know you want to. You want to be on here. I want to ask you about your Perth roots. That's what we really got to dig deep into here. But anyway, thank you everyone for listening, and we'll see you guys again next time. Bye-bye. <laughs>